Hey Logo Geeks, it's Ian Padgett here and this week I'm joined by Evelyn Powers to talk about her personalised design process. But first I want to ask you the question, do you want to level up your logo design skills? If you're listening to this podcast, the answer is likely yes. So I want to recommend a useful resource that was released in the past week. It's a course by my friend Jeroen van Erden, who's one of the best logo designers I know. I absolutely love his work. And if you're not familiar with him, do go and check out his stuff. It's it's fantastic. Um, but anyway, he's just created a course that will teach you how to use grids when working on a logo design. If you've ever searched on the internet for inspiration, you will have seen loads of examples showing brilliant logos that were constructed using a grid. So you'll know that grids can bring balance to your work and give you a strong foundation for the look that you're trying to achieve. But how do you use them? What's the best approach? Jeroen has created a course where he shares his approach which will help you to master the art of creating logo grids. So if you want to find out more about that, head to logogeek.uk forward slash grids. For transparency, there is an affiliate link. So if you do purchase the course via that link, you'll be helping to support the ongoing production of the Logo Geek podcast at no extra cost to you. So again, if you want to go and check out that course about creating logo grids and to support the Logo Geek podcast in the process, head to logogeek.uk forward slash grids. So onto the topic of this week's podcast. So a few months back, I received a message from this week's guest, Evelyn Powers. We'd been connected on Instagram for a while, but we never properly spoke. Uh, But she kindly reached out to say that she'd been enjoying the podcast. And if the opportunity was there, she'd love to come on as a guest. So we hopped on a call. We spoke for a few hours to get to know each other. And afterwards, we booked in a call to do a podcast episode together. Now, one thing that really stood out about Evelyn was just how easy her service offering was to understand. The messaging on her website is very clear. The process is very easy to understand. And although she's offering a bespoke web design service that can be quite complicated, it's just so simple to understand. There's nothing technical. It's just clear and simple. But it doesn't end there. Her whole process and approach is also very unique to her. Each step has a unique name. So she's not offering strategy sessions like everyone else. She provides clarity with her power plan. And she doesn't just build a website like everyone else. She gets legit with her power launch. Notice the use of power, which is a play on her name. And I think that's a really nice added touch. We could all learn so much from this alone. I mean, we could have spoke about so many things in the time that we had, but this is what I really wanted to highlight about Evelyn. And I hope it will inspire you to get creative with your own service-based offering. So Evelyn Powers founded her business, Design Powers, back in 1996, and she focuses on 
branding, web design, and print. I would say a pivotal moment in Evelyn's career was when she made the decision to pivot from traditional print-based design to focus on web design. So the conversation starts there and we take a closer look at her design process and how she's working with clients. So let's get into this. Here's the interview with Evelyn Powers. In 2010, you decided to pivot from a a traditional print-based graphic design role to offering web design services. As a starting point for this conversation, what was the reason why you decided to make that transition? It was twofold. Uh, One, I had already been running a, a traditional graphic design business for, gosh, almost 15 years And, um, you know, the work, albeit every project, I was always excited, you know, just sort of the process of print is, you know, it's a, it's a pretty kind of predictable process. And you, you know, you usually have, uh, just print on a substrate and then the job is over. And then, you know, all my clients were repeat clients and I have wonderful graphic design clients, but I was really what I was noticing is that the budgets for print were shrinking because, you know, obviously companies were allocating their marketing dollars to the web. And so the kinds of things that they wanted to do print weren't as exciting as they had been, you know, say a decade earlier. And then the other part of it too, is every time I would get a, a, you know, a graphic design job, like a logo or something, Inevitably, someone would say to me, um, oh, do you design websites? Um, Because I need a website too. And um, at first I was like, no, that's not what I do. And I just felt like, gosh, if I don't start learning this, I'm going to basically going to work myself out of a career um, because it, you know, I'll just be uh, an antiquated, I'll be, you know, like a, the shoemaker or something, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you know, the barrel maker, you know? Um, so I don't think, you know, that print design has disappeared, but it has definitely taken a backseat, no question to, um, everything that's going on on the web. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I've seen people say that print is dead, uh, but it's still very much in use. But with everything you could do online, um, you know, through your website um, or your online marketing as well, it's definitely more important than any brochure would have been, you know, around 10 years ago. So, so you definitely made the right choice to make that pivot when you did. Uh, something I'd love to find out, especially because I, I think this is something that will come up in everyone's uh, business at some point. People will see a new opportunity and they want to move into the area of expertise. Uh, whatever it is, you're very likely to need to learn new skills. So in your case, you had that print-based background already and you wanted to move into web design. And I assume at that point you had no prior experience. So how did you go about learning everything that you needed to know to get to the level where you could offer this as a service? At first, um, I took sort of some general web classes. And to be honest with you, they were kind of frankly a waste of time. And 
then I, it, it dawned on me. I was like, if I really want to monetize this, if that really is my goal, I have to get very specific about what it is I want to learn. And I need to go, you know, to a place that is going to teach me that. So there's, um, uh, in the U S it's called general assembly and they, um, I mean, they may be international, but they, uh, do, you know, very, uh, very focused classes on front end web development, back end web development, not, not just, um, you know, CSS and HTML and JavaScript, but they, you know, they do Ruby on rails, Python, all kinds of stuff. And so they get very, very, um, specific and you can take, you know, these incredibly intensive classes, which I couldn't do because I, you know, I still had a business and I have a family, but I did do a three month all day, um, every Saturday, uh, class. And it was all front end web development. And it was taught by, uh, two guys that were actually developers. So, um, I, I felt like it was a really, really, um, good intensive experience and that it was, you know, it was just the, the foundational, um, studies that I needed to really understand it. And then the other thing I did, and I highly suggest this to anyone who wants to pivot to anything, is get a job in it. <laughs> so I actually bid a really very super ambitious web design job and wound up getting it. And the pressure of of just like, wow, okay, now I have to do this. There is no wiggle room. And what I found is um, for my all the parts where I was ignorant, I at least was able now because I had a little bit of a community and, and connections and a baseline knowledge to find other people that could help me build the site. And that really was the trajectory that I needed. So it was, you know, it was twofold, getting very, very specific about what it is that I thought I wanted to learn. And then, you know, I think nowadays you can probably take online classes and still get that because of, you know, we now have Zoom and a lot more, um, just much more interactivity online. That just wasn't really available then. But I do still recommend, you know, obviously not while it's COVID, but in-person stuff because there's just a lot of sideline conversations that happen and, and connections that you make that can become valuable later on. Yeah. And as well in person, you can't walk away from it because I, uh, that's something that I struggle with, with yeah. any online training It's making it a priority. Like you, you get distracted by your phone or what's happening around you. But when you actually go to an in-person training session, you have no choice but to dedicate all your time and energy to it. So it's a, I think it's a greater commitment when you do it in person. Obviously, you can't do that at the moment because of COVID, but um, in, in general, it does make sense to do that. And, and I think in general, the, the web design space has changed so much in the last 10 years um, because I, I, I know myself in the web design job that I had for uh, 10 years, I, I stepped away from that position about uh, three months ago now to go full time with what I'm doing. But when I first started, unless I knew code, which it sounds like you do, you know, you, you learn all of that uh, skill. Um, 
unless you know that it was very hard to build anything but now uh you've got things like webflow squarespace uh wordpress as elementor and stuff like that so that i i think the point to entry with web design is uh, so much easier now than what it was 10 years ago when you started definitely but i do want to add that from that general assembly class i did make a discernment for myself And that was that I decided I did not want to do development, that I was going to stick Mm -hmm. with design and strategy, that I didn't really, you know, like learning um, uh, code and even CSS and HTML. And and even even if you're using these builders like Elementor um, and Squarespace, if you really want to customize things, you still have to be able to know CSS. I just, there's no way to not be able to do anything that's just not complete boilerplate template without at least doing CSS to it. Um, but I, I don't really want to do the development or even, you know, putting them together. I just like to do, I've kind of graduated into, I love the strategy, the design and really the business relationship. So I, you know, I, my niece works with me and she does all the development Um, But I made that discernment early on because I just felt like I just didn't want to, that's just how it didn't interest me as much. So I think, you know, a lot of people when they're first getting into it, whether they're pivoting from graphic design or they're just getting into web design, you know, they wind up doing everything. And, you know, there's a lot that goes into doing a really, you know, quality website, you know, not just the content management system, but, and as you know, from your job, you know, you have the user interface, you have the experience, you have web accessibility, you have security, you know, the various devices, maintenance, load speed, compatibility, then you got SEO, um, you know, if there's any video, um, you know, and a website is never put to bed. That was a term that they used to call for, you know, after you got a job to the printer. It was called put to bed. Well, a website is never put to bed. I mean, you're always constantly having to um, make sure that there's fresh content and that things are up to date with, you know, even like Google last week, like announced some kind of a new way of um, uh, measuring SEO and like, you know, the whole, the whole uh, SEO world was, you know, talking about it. It's like, you're, you're just, just trying to keep up with that, I, I find for my own sanity that it's easier for me to partition what I'm good at and what I'm going to have other people do. And I think that's something that anyone who's getting into web design, you know, should just kind of be aware of because you can drive yourself crazy if you're trying to do it all. Oh, yeah. I, I'm, I, I know that myself, you know, working in that job uh, is in terms of the role that I had, I focused only on the the graphic design side of things. I didn't do any of the development. I didn't do any of the copywriting other than, you know, some minor things just to give some uh, direction. But with anything like that, you need a team. So it sounds like you're collaborating with lots of people. Is that right? Well, I have my niece who I work with. And then, yes, I have sort of a trusted um you know, vendors and partnerships, um, depending upon the, really it's based on the client. Like I actually have a joint venture with a colleague, 
um, for when we get WordPress sites for mid-sized companies or nonprofits. And the reason that I structured it that way is she already had an existing business and I already had an existing business, but we liked working together. So we sort of created this third entity between the two of us and we're essentially business partners and we probably only do one to two projects a year together, although we are now we've been we're going on year five. We do have six dedicated clients and because they're bigger, they do have pretty um, constant recurring needs. So it's, it's almost like having, you know, a second business. But really what it does is it allows me the opportunity that if, should I get, you know, a client that doesn't necessarily fit into my Squarespace niche, which is service-based business, small businesses, usually one to three people. Um, there's a little bit of variation. It's sort of a very different target market than the market that I'm dealing with when I build website WordPress websites with my joint venture partner. So it's you know it's it's a way for me to not have all my eggs in one basket. And then I also still have some legacy graphic design clients. Um, I'm, they've gotten less and less because I've just not been focusing on getting them. But I still have a couple of clients that I've had for a very long time who still give me recurring work. And I love working with them and keeping you know my hand in the graphic design world. Hmm. So I'm curious then, have you really just gone all in on the web design stuff and created uh, products and packages in, in order to offer those services and then basically you're not really promoting anything else other than the the web design stuff? Yes. Yes. So it's not that I don't do other stuff. I only promote though on my website and I actually don't have a lot of various packages. I have one one service, but what what the service is, is it's, I, I named each phase to make it very, very easy for someone who comes to my website to understand the process. So, you know, my name is Design Powers. My name, it's because my last name is Powers. Mm -hmm. And so I named all my services because there is an actual perceived value if you name a service. So that's, that's just kind of a, you know, a, a human psychology kind of thing for, for sales and marketing. So I named my lead product, which is what the, uh, my power plan is. And essentially the power plan is paid discovery. So anytime you do any kind of a, a project um, for anyone, you, you have to understand, you know, the goals of what it is the client wants. And oftentimes that um, process is not just talking to the client and asking them very targeted questions. You then have to do a lot of research. And some people will like do all that and they'll do it for free and then they'll give someone a quote. And I thought, I don't want to do all that for free. Um, so I, my paid discovery is called the power plan and it is the lead product and it's a 90 minute meeting, you know, where we talk about, you know, everything that they're trying to accomplish with their website. And I charge $500 for it. And then afterwards, I give them a written actionable plan that they could t they could shop that around. So if they decided afterwards, hey, I don't I don't think I want to use Evelyn, um, you know, at least they have they've got they've gotten a product from that $500. 
and then also within the plan, the strategy is I give them a quote and then I have a contract. So that's what comes with the power plan. If they decide to hire me for the power launch, um, that is my web design and development process that is very, very clearly delineated on my work together page. You know, I, t- I tell somebody, you get content, you get logo design, here are the potential pages that you can get. It starts at $5,000, but the power plan does go towards it. Um, so it's like a, a little bit of an incentive. Um, and then I have other, like the power uh, hour is really just uh, what I charge for people if they just need um, an hour of advice or services. But Emily and I, Emily's my niece, um, this summer we're going to actually put together a year-long membership because what we're finding as we're getting more clients is they do have a lot more recurring needs. and. The one thing I wanted to get away with with the WordPress world was the whole maintenance agreement thing. I just never really liked charging people to update their plugins. It just wasn't something I was interested in. But this is really kind of more of what we're going to structure it to be like a membership that will, um, if someone joins our year-long membership, we will on a consistent basis be updating their their site with fresh content and visuals in a very strategic way. And then if they need help, um, you know, we'll, we can do that on an hourly basis. So it's really kind of more of a sales funnel, if you will, or a process. And it's the only thing that I talk about on my website, but I still do graphic design. I still do logo design. I actually been getting a lot of logo design lately, but I don't, I don't really promote it because um, it, it's not that I don't want to do it. I find that people are so um, inundated with information that if they don't really, really understand very clearly on your homepage in like a three-step simple plan how to buy from you, they're going to bounce. And so I just want to make it as clear and, you know, give them the confidence. Yes, I know what I'm doing. This is how we're going to do it. This is everything that is involved. You know, I can't say hard and fast, this is going to be $3,000 or five, but this is about where it starts. And this is where you're going to, um, you know, this is what you're going to get. Inevitably, every client I have, none of them fall exactly into my laid out process because obviously everybody has, you know, different needs. Um, but it does at least give a baseline of expectation and um, and then expertise too. Yeah, I, th- I think the great thing of it is, is as you highlighted, it, it makes it very simple and easy to understand for um, customers. And uh, I think it's interesting that you said that you you still do accept those graphic design projects, but you don't necessarily promote it. And uh, and that's similar in in terms of what I'm doing. So on my website, if you go on there, it pretty much looks like I only do. Uh, logo design or brand identity but I've got clients you know they after I work with them on one project they'd be like Ian can you help with this and of course I can um, but I, I have started to notice that it, it's much easier to stick within 
something that I've already sold that I've already got a process for. I, I feel it's more profitable to um, stick with some kind of productized service, which is what you've ultimately created. And and so this is really kind of under um, you know advisement with uh, Emily and I too. This is something that we've talked about, but have not implemented. And you know, a lot of people that have been doing this a lot longer than I have recommend it. And that is really to niche even further to not like I'm still pretty general in, in that I say one to three people, service-based small businesses. Well, that still is a lot of different kinds of businesses. And what we have found over the year of doing Squarespace only is that even though we're very specific about it, there's still so many variables that hinder us coming up with a really ironclad process. And um, I have to admit that I'm conflicted about it because, you know, we we did like a, a site for two women who were lawyers and it went beautifully and it was just, you know, they 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 paid us, they they did everything we said, the site turned out. I mean, it was just a really ideal situation. And afterwards we said to each other, we go, well, maybe we should just do law firm sites. You know, like, well, maybe we could just become the experts in doing small law firms. And, um, but then ultimately we both decided, well, we're, we don't feel like we're in a place yet to be able to say that that's only what we want to do and that we were going to give ourselves a little bit more time. And we just kind of kicked the can down the road, to be honest with you. But like right now we're doing, we've done an executive coach. We're doing a, you know, a yoga uh, studio. Um, we just did a facilities management business. I mean, we're doing all these different kinds of businesses that still require doing research. And that's the thing. If you do decide on an industry and you're really dogged about it, then that's when you really become expert in it. And we're not there yet. It's undetermined. <laughs> or yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, th I think I think it's an interesting thing to discuss, really, because um, I know with niching down the, the the pure basis of focusing on web design and building the sites in Squarespace as you are now, that in itself is a, a niche. And and I've had conversations with um, people that have taken that further and. Um, I think the way that I would do it, because where I really see the benefit of uh, one of the sole benefits of it is from an SEO perspective, you can really hyper-focus your content and the messaging and the images and there's loads of benefits to it. Um, but the way that I see it with what you're doing now, if that is what you wanted to do, what I would do is rather than actually pivoting your central core company, I would just create a side business, a new website. And as those um, uh, law firms come up, put them on that website and do it as a separate thing. And then if it picks up, if you get more and it becomes more popular, then obviously you can start to transition over. But I think, I mean, with niching down, there are other benefits to it where if that's the only thing that you're talking about, then other people know that that's what you do. But I think as a starting point, 
when you're in your position, I don't see any harm in creating a side business that's just doing that. And then you get the the online SEO marketing messages. You get all the benefits that come with having that dedicated online location. Yeah, no, that's I, that wasn't even really something that I thought to do. So yeah, I will definitely think about that. Um, but in terms of being able to take different kinds of clients, it does make it a lot more fun too. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so- yeah, yeah. I I like working with lots of different types of companies. Yeah, it's fascinating. You know, one minute you're working with. Um, uh, in my case, one minute I'm working with a donut shop, the next minute I'm working with a lawyer. <laughs> right. Yeah, like we just finished uh, a logo or we're, it's in process, but it's, it's towards the end of it for a guy who wants to do a food truck and he wants to offer vegan and meat. Um, you know, he has a very, very sort of Spartan menu, but he's going to be doing, you know, both ap- approaches on separate grills, but he wants to be able to offer them both in within the same food truck. And he's just like a super nice dude and he's got, you know, great ideas and it was really fun to work on the logo. And, and now we're going to, um, you know, do a landing page for him and, you know, like stuff like that is just really fun too. And, and getting back to the lawyer example, you know, sometimes like our, our clients were really, really wonderful, but not all the time. Do you, you know, if you're sort of in the same industry, are you always going to get that ideal situation? (laughs) Very true. (laughs) I just want to take a really short break to mention the Logo Designers box set, which is a set of six eBooks that I put together to help you through the logo design process. It's totally free to download and it covers the tools you need, uh, creating a logo design brief, advice for coming up with ideas, presenting logos, creating files for your clients and finding your own clients too. So you can download that for free just by heading to boxset.logogeek.uk. Now that is in exchange for your email address to sign you up to my newsletter. So if you do want to be kept up to date with what's happening with the Logo Geek podcast and other things I'm doing around Logo Geek, do head to boxset.logogeek.uk to download that and sign up. So that is it. Let's get back to the interview. I wouldn't mind going back to your service offering because you mentioned about this power plan, which is your 90 minute call. Um, uh, for listeners, we had a separate conversation prior to this interview and we spoke about this for some time, but I'd, I'd like to give a little bit of focus on this because it, it's interesting because the, the way I do it at the moment, uh, client gets in touch, I'll arrange a telephone call and then I could be speaking to them for an hour. You know, sometimes they can be quite long calls. Uh, But what I would hope is that that call would then turn into a sale. But what you're doing is charging for that initial call, charging for that initial consultation to work out what it is that they need. How... I mean, I've got loads of questions. So would you mind explaining what it is and how do you go about selling something that is basically understanding what they need? <laughs> well, what's, what's the one question that anyone asks you right off the bat? 
They want to know how much something's going to cost. Yeah. And so, you know, if it, if it's something that's super straightforward, you can go, oh, you, you can kind of do the math in your head and you might say, okay, a logo for this, doing that, I could do this. You know, you might, you may say, you know, $2,500 or 5000 I mean, I, I find a lot of time us as designers, we can be very flexible with our, our uh, quoting to kind of depending on the size of the client and how much, you know, time we think, or if it's a full branding job, you know, maybe $10,000. The thing though that I found with web design is because there are so many complexities and third-party integrations and functionalities, it really is to do a quality web design. There, You just have to have a very, very clear baseline um, of, you know, the goals of the client, who it is that they're talking to, what it is their, you know, their, their plans are. And that takes, I mean, minimally that takes 90 minutes. Interesting, when, when I do, I was telling you about my joint venture, when I do this for my WordPress clients, where the clients are bigger and more um, intensive, I charge $2,000 for it and spread it out over a three week or a three appointment, um, you know, conversation and even map it out, you know, in terms of, you know, the first week we're going to talk about you, your history. Um, the second week, we're going to talk about your ideal client, your business processes. And then the third week, we're going to talk about how we're going to engage um, because, you know, especially like a nonprofit that may have, you know, three different kinds of, um, you know, target markets that they're talking to or ways to, you know, donations, um, volunteers, the people that use the service. I mean, there's just a, a tremendous amount of strategy and thought and research that has to go into it way before I could ever give you a quote. Like, how can I give you a quote on a, a project that could take four to five months if I don't even know what we're doing. And so in order for me to really know what we're doing and, and that we're, uh, we're going to agree to what we're doing, I've got to ask you all these questions and I've got to do research based on the answer of those questions. And that takes time. And the nice thing about doing paid discovery, and this is how I sell it, is at the end, we're agreeing as to what we're actually quoting on. So we've now decided on all the strategy and the target market and how we're going to go about doing everything. Then I give you a price, but we're, all, we're already in agreement. The other thing too, especially with bigger companies, they can bring that to their board or they can, you know, um, I mean, you usually want to have the decision makers in the room, but if there's ancillary audiences that need to be in on the decision, they can bring that written actionable plan or it, 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 in the case of bigger companies, I actually do a presentation um, to that audience to get their buy-in, their insights. So everyone's in the room, everyone's in agreement. I've gotten paid for all this time and research that I've done. And then everyone's happy because everybody knows where we stand. Then you give them a price, a schedule, and a contract. 
And uh, there isn't really any misconceptions because everything's already been discussed and agreed upon. So it really is, it's, it's actually two different processes. Um, but one, one really needs to be done before the other one can begin. And why am I going to do all that for free? You know, that's mm, crazy. Yeah. And um, so what, on my website, for smaller businesses, I boiled it down to 90 minutes um, because, you know, I've now been doing this for about four years. So I, I usually, with a small business owner, can get it pretty quick. Um, and they generally only have one service and one target market, and it's not nearly as complex. And I also, of course, their budgets are going to be lower, so they may not want to spend, you know, two, three thousand dollars on paid discovery. But it's a way for me to really lead them into my core service, which is doing the design, the strategy, and the website build. So it's more of a phase. Um, the very first thing in my three-step process is that initial phone call. I mean, no one's going to hire you for you know, a, a service that costs several thousand dollars without talking to you first. Yeah, yeah. And I usually will spend, you know, at least, you know, 15 to 30 minutes talking to someone, figuring out, are we even a good fit for each other? Um, and sometimes the answer is no. Um, it, maybe Squarespace isn't the right thing. Uh, for them, or they need a functionality that just was is not, you know, good for Squarespace, um, you know, or it maybe it's just something that I I might not feel like I'm a um, the right person for it. So you know, it's the call, it's that that call, then it's the power plan, and then it's the power launch, and power launch has a lot to it, and that's why I'm very very clear you know, on my work together page. And the other part of it too, just as an aside, what I have found is clients, especially small businesses, you could, you just have to offer the content for them. If you rely on your client to write the content, you might as well just forget it. And I, I used to try and, you know, get my clients to write the content um, now I just say, no, we're going to do it. And I have, uh, you know, a couple different content writers, depending upon the industry. But one that I use a lot, she's actually in Ireland. And we pretty much talk, you know, every week. And um, she she writes all the content. And it's, it's much easier for the client because it just takes that off their plate. Um, and I think it's the biggest holdup for any kind of um, web design is that and then meanwhile while she's writing the, the content I'm doing any kind of you know logo design and then you know th those two things get agreed on and then I do the design for the the website and I now I've been using Figma um, which is great because it's cloud-based and you can share stuff and clients can make comments on it and um, and it's free it's a it's a, it's a great um, you know it's a really just clean builder, uh, you know, mock-up tool. And, and then we, you know, we also then do all what we call the Google plumbing, you know, um, just the domain name, the hosting, the setup, all the integrations, whether they're going to be using an email, you know, um, list builder. Squarespace has one now. There's MailChimp, ActiveCampaign. There's, there's tons of them. And then, you know, 
Google My Business, Google Search Console, Google Analytics. So many business owners have no idea about any of that stuff. And we just do it. You know, that's where it's like, okay, that's just baseline stuff. Um, and then after we launched the site, we have this really nice um, PDF that we've put together. It's like a manual, but we do when, when we could do in-person, we would do in-person trainings right now. Of course, we're doing them virtually. Um, I much prefer the in-person, but um, yeah, so that, so that's, that's kind of the process. And then the, you know, the power hour is really just kind of the post nits and nats that they have until, as I was telling you, we get the membership thing together. And then the power play is just what I call my, um, my email marketing newsletter, which I just started. I haven't, I have not got it gotten consistent with it yet, but um, really trying. So that's kind of my, my next couple months uh, trying to get a little bit more consistent with my marketing strategy. Mm-hmm. I really love the concept of the power play because it's, it's basically, um, it's tricky when we use the term strategy. I mean, that can mean a number of different things, but you're basically, uh, rather than having a call, having to work out what's needed, um, scoping it all out and then putting a, a quote together, you're basically charging for uh, a scoping exercise or um, the, the strategy for the website, how you're going to build it, what needs to be put on there, why it needs to be put on there, you know, all that stuff, all that effort, all that time, all the energy, you're getting money from it. And I was going to ask you about pricing because I did see that you do present your prices online, but actually you only present the price for that specific initial uh, power plan. So, you know, obviously people can see how much the point of entry is, And then I assume based on all of the work that you put together in that plan, that's when you can work out exactly how much it's going to cost to proceed accordingly. But, you know, if they don't go ahead, you've already made some income from it. So it's all good. (laughs) Yeah, well, I do um, on the how it works, uh, you know, further down on that page, you know, I give kind of like the nine steps. It's just really sort of boils down the power launch process. But and and then I have a testimonial. But then after that, I do say your investment in the power launch, which is complete with content, branding, and website, starts at five thousand dollars, and then I have FAQ, you know, because there's still people are still are going to have questions. Um, but you know, I feel with my expertise, all that we do, having now built many of these sites, and knowing uh, just the nuances and the integrations and the functionalities, especially if there's any e-commerce involved, it's this is time-intensive stuff. And I will tell people, your website really is the engine of your business. And if it's set up correctly, you can really maximize um, your marketing capabilities with it. Mm-hmm. Honestly, you know, Ian, if somebody, and this just happened to me, I actually was almost trying to make somebody put more importance on their website than they wanted to. And really in the end, they just wanted a, what you would call a brochure website. That's, that's valid too. And so for those people, once I've cleared, you know, I still made them do the power plan. I still, you know, we still had a, uh, a target uh, audience. I still hired a content writer, but we didn't have to do any really of the marketing stuff because he just literally wanted a very professional presence online because it was mainly geared towards the government and they just, you know, you can't really be doing digital marketing to the government. 
Um, but you know, that still wound up being, um, just shy of five grand. I mean, five for, you know, in this country, that seems like, you know, for that amount of work, it's a good starting point. And if you have a quality designer developer and doing all the uh, necessary stuff with Google and basic SEO, that's, that's just what it's worth. And people who get the one, one page or, you know, the overnight and all that stuff, you may, the, the price of entry may be lower, but you're still going to wind up paying for what the functionality is that you need eventually. So um, it's either you kind of get it set up right at the get-go, super quality, or you just kind of do it in stages. I, I want to flag up something that you uh, briefly said. You know, your power launch, you said it's yeah. a nine-step power launch. Uh, I find that fascinating because it takes everything that you said one step further. So you've got your power plan, power launch, power play, but then they're broken down into steps. Would you mind talking through what those are? Yeah. So, you know, it, it, it's, um, I have number one is the kickoff, um, two asset coordination. That's, you know, just where we get everything that is, um, well, back to number one, we, we do use Asana, a project management tool, and we, we actually have a video on our site. So once the client has signed the contract and paid a deposit, we send them to uh, the page on our uh, site with a, you know, a, a welcome video. And then we teach them how to use Asana, which is not, a, we don't ask much of our client at all. I mean, it's basically, we have templates in there of the entire process and we assign them, you know, the, the things that we need from them. They get those assignments in their email and they can respond via email and it goes back into our project management. So that's number one. Number two is our asset coordination. We get everything that they have in hand, you know, photography, graphics, uh, if we if they have content or specific um, brand guidelines that need to be followed. Number three is the content writing. We create the copy with the relevant keywords, um, you know, based on what we found out, again, in the power plan uh, with their ideal client. Number four would be the brand development. That's when, you know, uh, we're doing the logos, the fonts, the color, and if there's any custom photography that needs to be done. Uh, then five uh, would be the homepage design, and that's where you know we would present a mock-up of a, the homepage. And often I will, you know, I will usually tell the client one to two, maybe even up to three subpages, depending upon you know the differentiations between them and what what I feel is needed. We also put up a branded coming soon page, you know, that and that gets the client really excited. So six would be you know the site development. And we're, um, you know, we're, we're keeping them abreast of what's happening through Asana. Uh, seven would be the final revisions. And um, eight is to go live and, and to train and, you know, um, and make them feel super confident about being able to manage their own content, which is really, really important to us. And then the last one, nine, is, you know, our post-launch support you know, we're going to check back with them and make sure that they're not, they don't have any questions or they're not struggling with anything. And honestly, inevitably, they always are, um, which is why, you know, I said our next thing is to do this membership because any business that is active and actively, you know, trying different things out a month, a month from their launch or two months 
they, they have found something else out and they want to implement something else, a new functionality or new content or new pictures. Or maybe they've, this happened to us with a, a site that we launched eight months ago. It was with an executive coach. She had a very, very specific ideal client. Well, eight months later, she has decided that is not an ideal client. And she wants to completely restructure her homepage for basically what she's figured out. And now this person's been in business for over 10 years. It's not like she was a new business person, but you know, she was trying out different services and now she's made some new decisions. And that's what's so beautiful about website design. That's actually why I love it so much. Overprint is that you can be iterating all the time. And it's so um, dynamic and interesting. And there's so much human psychology involved in it too. That's the other thing that I really, really get excited about is all the the user um, experience, colors, what people see, how they read, how they don't read, accessibility. I mean, all those things are just so fascinating to me. And you get to do all of that when you do web design. Yeah, yeah. I love all that sort of stuff too. I've, um, yeah, I know in logo design, even though you're focused on the visuals, there's a lot of underlying thought and uh, there's a lot that you can research. I, I love that there's a lot more to uh, everything. And uh, uh, yeah, it's a great topic to go into. I just wanted to say those nine steps, that just literally rolled off your tongue. <laughs> I can tell that you've had uh, uh, a number of calls where people have asked you about it and you've just rolled it out. It's, <laughs> it's brilliant. Yeah, well, again, it's it's all about trying to make it as you know clear and as easy for my potential client as possible because nobody has the bandwidth for anything anymore. That's that's what I've discovered. Like people, so many times people just want you to solve their problem. They just they they, they just want to be heard and then they want you to solve the problem. And I even said this to Emily um, last week. I said, you know, I really feel like a lot of times now when we have these needed conversations is people are asking us to figure out their business strategy. You know, it's not, we're, it's not just like we're building a website. We're actually helping people to structure how they're going to interact and get people to buy their services or their products. And that's not necessarily, you know, a one and done kind of thing. That can involve a lot of conversations. Again, research. There's a lot of different ways to, to do things and what actually works the best with this particular industry, this particular person, you know, the, the clients that they currently have and the clients that they want. Um, you know, it's all, it, it's all very nuanced and it can, you know, it can be pretty complex. And so you, you know, I, I look at it and I, and I laugh to myself because, you know, I went to art school in the eighties, I'm showing my age, but it was, you know, the art school that I went to was very fine art oriented, super traditional. Um, I would have had no idea that I would be doing what I do now. <laughs> no, like none, like they're not, they're not at all related other than, you know, drawing, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. It's funny when you work as a graphic designer. Um, I do a little bit of sketching, but actually, I haven't drawn in years. Um, my partner does a lot of drawing, and I've I look over and think, 
you know, I haven't even held a, like a proper pencil in so long. <laughs> you know, I, yeah, like I, I just had a logo design uh, a couple of weeks ago and Ian, I, so first I want to admit cop to it. I, I always look at your stuff because I love what you do. And then I have, you know, a couple other Instagram faves for, you know, logo made by James. I love him. And, you know, so I'll like, like hit all my faves, like, oh, I got to get inspired, <laughs> you know, and then I whip out my pencil and like within like, I'm going to say 20 minutes, I'm like, ah, oh, screw this. <laughs> and I want Illustrator, you know, like right away already. I think for me too, though, I can at this point conceptualize a lot in my mind um, and then it really is almost easier for me to just draw it out with the mouse. I know that probably goes against like what everybody says. Um, but I, I, you know, and I find I can usually, um, get to where I need to go. I always give myself with logos, that initial concept process. I always give myself, um, at least like a bank of three to five hours sort of a, hopefully on on uh, broken time and then I get away from it I give myself 24 to 48 hours to get away from it then I come back to it and then I get away from it and I have to do that three times for that first initial like concept because it's actually the getting away from it is really more important than the than the focus time doing it because I sit there and I mull it over in my mind, um, and then I formulate new thoughts. And then when I go back to it, I, you know, execute on those new thoughts. So, you know, just that initial first draft of, of if I'm, I'm going to pre present, I usually don't present more than four, usually just three. Um, try, and I try to do very different concepts. I, I have to give myself that getting away from it time. And so, you know, that's what I would recommend, you know, to anyone who do, is doing logo design is definitely give yourself time to ruminate. Like it's, it's the ruminating that I feel like makes the success. It, I, what about you? You know, what's your... Um, yeah. So, I mean, firstly, what you said about um, ideas and jumping straight into Illustrator, I know you you mentioned Made by James. I, I interviewed him uh, not long ago. He does most of his work on paper, and it's incredible to see. Yeah, so yeah, so you see his final sketch. His final yeah. sketch is practically what comes out at the end. But in my case, I do a lot of scribbling. So I like to get the raw idea down on paper. Yeah. So the you know the underlying concept of it. Um, but then in terms of finding out, you know, like exactly how it's going to come together. I do all of that in Illustrator myself. I, I, I just like I just need some raw idea as a starting point, and uh, it's just quicker to come up with it on uh, paper. There's there's one that I just finished a couple of days ago. There's no case study online or anything, but um, it was for a company called uh, Chef's Table, and I noticed that. Um, so imagine a T, and then put the C over the top of it. And I noticed that if you have the top of the C slightly coming over the T, it looks like one of those um, covers that goes on the top of film, yeah. uh, uh, food, you know, the the dome thing. And I thought, ah, oh, that idea is great. But in terms of how that actually came together, it was uh, I was looking for 
the right typeface to have the right look and feel for what I wanted. And it turned out to be, you know, very long, tall, thin uh, font. And that kind of dictated the overall style of the symbol. So, I mean, that that's how I worked in that. And as for the uh, incubation period, that's what I've heard it called. I wish I did more of that. I need to put that into my process in the same way that you do, because there's been so many times where I've finished something and then I come back like six months later and think, I wish I just could tweak that. (laughs) Um, But yeah, what I tend to do is um, I will put my ideas together one day and then I will put the presentation together the following day. So there is that you know, that 12 hours in between, whatever it is. And and that helps. And also when I present to my clients, I state that it's 95% complete. So in terms of that incubation period, I do have that, but it's not quite the same as what you do. So I might actually show something to a client, but then I'll make those tweaks just before it all gets finalized. So I, I do have it in there, but I, I do wish on some projects that I did a little bit more like you did and uh, step away from it for for 24 hours and then do that again just to really fine tune and nail it because tiny details make a difference and you don't see them when you're working so closely with it but you know when you step away you come in with a fresh pair of eyes and uh, it kind of brings out the the obvious things that you might have missed (laughs) Yeah, and and I think too it it depends on the client. Um, you know, if it's a if it's a small business and you know that um, the budget is tight, but you still really want to do it, um, you know, you know that you only can spend you know X amount of time on it too. So that for me that does come into play. Where if, if it's a bigger client and I know it has to go through multiple. Um, reviews with multiple, you know, panels of people, um, and I'm charging more money. I mean, the process is a little bit different. So there, you know, there's variation to with that too. But when I deliver that first draft, they're pretty tight. I mean, yeah, I would say, gosh, probably three out of four times the next draft isn't that there isn't much left to do. you know, I, I've, I've had a couple instances where it wound up being, you know, I had to keep doing more and more. And, and it's only because the who I had to talk to and the different people, you know, design by committee is always a lot harder than if you're just working with one or two people. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, um, it's funny. I mean, I always kind of joke and say, you know, I, I draw with my mouse, which is akin to drawing with a bar of soap. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I um, I used to do a lot of illustration work in uh, my very first job, and I did all of that with a mouse. And I was actually given a, a stylus, you know, a proper uh, Wacom tablet. Yeah. I just find it awkward uh drawing in that way I think it's different like if you can do it directly on something like an iPad which is easier now but just the the idea of drawing on a pad 
and then seeing it on the screen i never got the grips with that early on so i kind of mastered the art of using a mouse with the bezier curves and all that sort of stuff i just find it easier to do it in that way i, I got the tap I mean, you and i have the exact same history i got the tap <laughs> i don't know it was like 20 years ago or whenever they came out i was like oh this is gonna be awesome i hated it <laughs> yeah i didn't like it i mean that would have been how long ago you know, it might have been about 20 years ago. Yeah. So one of those tiny, it was tiny. It was like an A5 one. Now you get these ginormous, um, uh, really decent ones. But one thing that I did like is the pressure sensitive. So if you're yeah. painting, I totally understand why you'd want to use it for painting. But when you're drawing with Bezier curves, it's just easier and more precise for me to draw vectors with a mouse i just find it easier yeah i'm in total <laughs> well that's probably that's probably a good point to kind of wrap up the interview i wasn't expecting to go into any of the logo design stuff but it's good to keep it a little bit on uh topic but i think all of the stuff that we spoke about with um how you developed your uh, package you know into these different names and then even broke those down into different steps that's the one thing that I I really wanted to bring attention to in this episode because I think that makes such a difference because uh, like if if everyone was to listen back to that part where you're talking through those nine steps you didn't know that I was going to ask that question and it just rolled off your tongue so easily. And that's the type of thing that gives a lot of confidence to clients when they call. So it's, it's worth developing a, a process and a framework like this for your own business. I love that you've made it all unique and you know, you've named it after you. So no one else has a, a product like yours. It is unique to you. You developed it yourself and that's the one thing that I really wanted to draw attention to. And I think uh, we got that across really nicely. So um, Evelyn, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been really good to chat with you. And, and Ian, thank you so much for the opportunity. Um, I just love everything that you're doing. And I loved being able to, to share what I do. And yeah, I hope um, it, it does help, you know, other people that are just getting into it. Uh, just clearly defining your processes gives you the confidence to get the clients. And, and because then if you know what you're doing, then they know what you're doing and they're going to hire you. Yeah, exactly. And I know in this episode, there's so many uh, directions that we could have took it. Um, so, you know, maybe we need to do another episode at a later date to dissect some of those things. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Anytime. Yeah, Evelyn, thank you so much. Thank you, Ian. If you enjoyed this episode, do let me and Evelyn know by giving us a shout out on social media. If you want to learn more about Evelyn Powers, head to her website, designpowers.com. Also, go and check out what she's doing at awesomewomen.org, where she co-hosts a podcast. Alternatively, to find links to that and links to anything else we mentioned in the podcast and a transcription too, go and check out the show notes for this week's episode, which you can find at logageek.uk forward slash 89. Now, if you're keen to discuss anything that we spoke about in this interview with me and almost 10,000 logo designers from around the world, 
Join the Logo Geek community on Facebook. It's totally free to join and very active. So if you have any questions, want any feedback, it's probably the best place to go online. So to find that, go to logogeek.uk forward slash community or just do a search on Facebook for the Logo Geek community. Also, make sure to go and check out Jeroen's Logo Grid training course. As I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, you can find that by heading to logogeek.uk forward slash grids. And by purchasing via that link, you'll also be helping to support the ongoing production of the Logo Geek podcast at no extra cost to you. So that is it for this week, but I'll see you the same time next week for another exciting episode of the Logo Geek podcast. <laughs>